I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. This is me communicating to you, telling you how it's going to be. You will comply, you will follow, and you will execute. Why? Because I tell you so. I am master. You will listen, and then you will follow through. What daddy says, you do. Yeah. I put the daddy in there because a mate of mine bet me that I wouldn't. I couldn't help it. All right. Pretty poor communication style. So what are the fundamentals of great coaching and leadership communication? This week, we investigate as effective coaching isn't just about becoming a keyboard assassin and prescribing smart training plans to the athlete is driven by effective communication that enables the athlete or the employee, I might add, to execute as intended, to believe in the path and have clarity and actions needed for success. So let's dive in. But as ever, before we do, we need to wake ourselves up. We've got to get the juices flowing. We've got to have a little dance. We could go electronic, we could go rap or even as we're feeling a little dangerous today, let's go ukulele. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary Word of the Week. Yes, the Word of the Week this week is email. Email, what in the world does that have to do with performance? Well, today's show is all about communication, And so this week's word of the week is anchored around probably the worst form of effective communication that I can imagine, email. If you care about building trusted relationships, if you need to deliver messaging or communication that requires tone in order to be understood, or if you feel uncomfortable in the message that you're sending, never, ever deliver your message via email. It will seldom, no, scratch that, it will never be read as intended. Email is both a lazy path, but also the coward's path of delivering a message of real substance. Let's define email. Information transfer. You see, you cannot ever deliver an important messaging and feedback via a delivery mechanism that's anchored in information transfer. No matter how many emojis or smiling faces you attach to it. Yes, email is valuable as is WhatsApp and texting and other communication forms. But next time you sit down to write a long and heartfelt dialogue of complaint, emotion or challenge, or if you're giving someone a job or asking them to leave the job or portraying that you're actually upset with them, realise that your only path for true resolution, for effective communication, in order to be heard in the tone that you want to be heard in, is to do it the right way. First, face-to-face, and next best, if not available, on the phone. The power of voice and tone. 
And I admit, yes, sometimes it's challenging and it feels like sometimes it consumes more time. But I promise you in the long run, you're going to be happier and you'll develop more effective and real relationships, both professionally in normal life. And so that is why the word of the week this week is email. Skip it for the juicy stuff. Now, talking of juicy, let's get into the main course. Let's hit the meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes. And the question today is, what is at the centre of effective communication in coaching and leadership? You see, we understand that a true partnership and coaching relationship is based on effective prescription and effective communication. But today, we're going to deep dive and frame some of the key principles of communication that enable a real coaching relationship to flourish. We will define what effective communication is. We're going to outline some central principles for coaching success, and we're going to dissect an example of how words will leave a different impact in an effective coaching environment. And so an outcome today is that hopefully you can be on a path to evolving your leadership style and becoming more effective. That's ultimately what we want to become. But where to start? Well, how about right at the jugular? So let's talk about effective coaching communication. And this is a critical question, but the answer doesn't just sit in you getting your message across. You don't need to make your point. To mould communication, we need to first briefly revisit what effective coaching is, because that is the root to understand what coaching communication is born from. So for me, when I think about effective coaching, I think it has two parts. The first is the prescription side. That, in an endurance athlete's world, is writing a smart training program that integrates into that athlete's life, is appropriate to their goals, their level, their health status, and also progresses them towards their goals. Job done, right? All good? Absolutely not. The second part of effective coaching is what I would label education and empowerment. And this is where the power sits. To truly become effective, we must aim to firstly educate, educate to deliver the mission and the purpose of the plan. So what are the expected outcomes and the mission for the athlete? Secondly, to educate so that the athlete can understand that great plan that you've written and ultimately execute it as you intend it to be executed. And thirdly, to educate so that the athlete can make smart decisions along the way, how to manage their program within the confines of their life. The second component is feedback, providing perspective on their journey, helping them course correct on the missteps and mishaps that are going to happen so that they can stay on track towards their progression. And ultimately, feedback to provide the best information to enable them to make smart decisions along the path and also to troubleshoot for themselves those inevitable challenges and pitfalls. And finally, support. 
A big part of effective coaching comes in driving from behind, not leaning from the front, but to listen, to guide, to nurture and support so that from that you can enable the athlete's confidence to grow and develop from within side of the athlete. Effective coaching. If we consider it, yes, you can be a keyboard assessing and write a great plan for someone, but the heartbeat of that great coaching lies in a single phrase, effective communication. And so what that means is we must become assassins of communication, not the keyboard. But what does that mean? What are we trying to accomplish by becoming an assassin of communication with our athletes and employees? Well, the first is to build trust. You see, your athlete or employee must have faith in what you're saying and the guidance that you give. And I believe that that faith and trust is going to be born out of a consistency of messaging and your beliefs, a consistency in the application across all others, as well as a framework of you creating boundaries and also displaying a willingness to admit when you don't have all the answers or in fact, and sometimes we are as coaches, wrong. You see, we're coaching adults. And so this also means that the athlete or employee also doesn't just need to follow, but be empowered to have a voice. They need to have a safe and open environment to contribute. Because while coaching isn't a democracy, it also isn't a dictatorship, ultimately, if you want it to be successful. The second component that we want to have is the ability to establish a picture of development. You see, in communication, context is everything. And you're never going to be successful in an ongoing coaching relationship if you rely on phrases such as, because I said so. You see, in addition to building trust, you also must help your athlete and employee with perspective. All people thrive when they understand a couple of things. The first, where they're currently at, and secondly, have complete clarity on a path that has purpose to drive them where they want or need to go. And you can't rely on just setting the path. You must effectively display the current state so that you have an established picture of development and the path forward to where they need to go. With that clarity and that journey, communication can be effective. Thirdly, you want to be the driver of support and confidence. Much of the motivation for success is going to come from the athlete. Ultimately, athlete or employee success is not going to arrive out of external reward or motivation. But with this, let's not forget that a coach's perspective must be the gateway to allow maximal growth potential. And we must do this not by telling the athletes or employees how good they are, but instead clearly relaying the steps that are required in order to hit optimal returns. And there is a big difference in this. It's a seismic difference between communicating a path to excellence and pushing the athlete towards belief that they can go further than they ever imagine and simply telling them that they're going to be great. Promoting inevitable greatness, as I call it, is only going to lead to inevitable despair. Believe in them, drive them, support them. But whatever you do, 
don't tell them how good they are. And finally, as the big categories of what we're looking for, is to establish ourselves as the lighthouse. With trust intact and a pathway to performance set, you are driving behind them towards their success. But there's another part of communication in coaching, the lighthouse. As an athlete or employee embarks on their journey, there are going to be twists and turns towards that success. And ultimately, we must adapt, adjust, course correct, and refine the path. The performance journey is never, ever linear. And so communication requires you to be their lighthouse and to enable those adjustments and some perspective and lessons to apply. And so for me, when I think about effective communication, these are the four pillars that we talk about. In reverse, the lighthouse. Being a driver of support and confidence, we want to develop a path and picture of development. And ultimately, it all stems with the central component of trust. That is the pillar that we build everything around. And so how do we get there? What's the most effective method? Well, to dive into this, let's take a little bit of a tangent and let's talk about kids. In fact, let's compare kids to adults because I believe that there's a vast difference between guiding youth and children and coaching adults. In fact, I got my start in coaching by leading children and over time transitioned to collegiate athletes and then ultimately going all the way through to adults, even, I might say, the AARP anarchists that I'm so fond of. But what's the difference in leading and communicating with these two populations? Well, with kids, we have to realise that young children simply are not equipped to self-manage or self-direct. They're really not able, they don't have the wisdom yet to make decisions within context of the broader picture. And they're not yet empowered for global important resets. And that means that your role as a coach or a leader or even a parent is to kind of be a blocker or a tackler or a leader from the front. You're navigating the path, you're setting the tone, and therefore your communication needs to be quite direct, strong, action-focused and outcome-driven. It's quite a narrow communication. Now there are times to stop and learn and grow and take a step back and reflect, but we can't expect the child to take on the empowerment role. That's very, very different with adults because we hope that we're working with an evolved mindset. And so we're hoping that we're working with a mindset that has perspective and a little bit of wisdom. And so coaching adults successfully is about becoming the driver behind them. You want to be inquisitive, empowering, Here's the magic word, collaborative, and ultimately supportive. Doesn't it just drip in positivity? You see, to create an effective coaching and communication is anchored in creating a partnership. So let's do a little case study. Let's talk about this. And let's talk about someone that hasn't done it well and has maybe evolved to do it a little bit better. So what we need is someone charming and witty and smart, perhaps very good looking. Oh, that must be me. Well, joking aside, we are going to actually talk about me because when mapping this show, I thought of 
so many times in my coaching career where I feel like I've failed in communication. There are many athletes that have been on the cusp of world class, that have been at the juxtaposition of maybe winning a world championship. And I feel like I failed in communication to evolve and reset the path for them. And the relationship started to evolve. Times where if I got to revisit again, like so many coaches, looking in the rearview mirror, benefit of hindsight being 2020, I would have shifted not the plan, but the communication. And so as I reflected, I began to define my evolution in communication as a coach. The young puppy of the late 90s, early 2000s, into even, I would say, the early 2010s, to now. How have I grown, evolved, improved in communication? Well, hopefully a little bit. But I think that ultimately we can draw a direct line between myself as a young coach and today. And I think that there is an evolved communicator. So here are some of the communication styles for me as a younger coach. And yes, as I tell you these, I begin to recoil in horror because it's terrible to hear myself say this. But when I think back to that time, I was young, I was green, I had a lot of ideas, I was quite confident in some areas, and yet I was overleading in many ways. And I established three main areas reaching communication style that ultimately I'm thankful I've managed to evolve and I think grow out of for the most part. The first, what I would call hero complex. See, when I was a younger coach, I consistently fell into the trap of promoting myself as the athlete's hope likely some form of compensation for not having all the answers and a little bit of youthful lack of confidence, we might call it. But that was supplanted with the veil of faux confidence. If I made myself a martyr, then the athletes would follow. And they often did follow and we did get results. But the problem with it is it gave no wiggle room to explore, to test, or to actually be vulnerable to listen to the athlete. I had to be the one always coming up with the results. I had to be the driver, follow me. And as I grew and I learned and evolved, I had to nurture. And ultimately, when I reflect now, I coach the adults like I coach the kids. And as we now know, there's a big difference. And so the good news is that was a point that I've come to realize and I've able to mostly grow out of, I think, a little bit. A second area that I think I was relatively weak in and really had to grow was a tendency to have the eager to please concept. I was just ironic to the last point, really confident in my beliefs. I felt like we had a methodology and a way that could be effective for the athlete. And yet too often, I would tend to bend my belief to try and satisfy the athlete. Whether it's racing choices or training load or approach, I would tend to shift or bend or morph so that I could satisfy them. What I hadn't crafted yet was the ability to communicate no. And so while I was inside highly confident of the methodology, while I believed that I did actually have the answers. And if I could collaborate 
and then I could help them, bring them to my side and way of thinking. Instead, probably through a lack of confidence, I would melt to their direction. And sometimes that would lead to us doing too much, choosing the wrong races, not having enough recovery, everything that to my core I believed was critical. And really, I think that comes out of that first component. Having a hero complex meant that I had to try and melt my beliefs to get them to be confident rather than being vulnerable to actually be able to listen to them, understand their perspective, but then come back with strength. And then the third and final component, and all of these are ultimately tied together, is I felt as a young coach, I was too quick to solution. See, the best communicators are not in a rush. And as a young coach, I often failed to provide perspective, to slow down so that ultimately we as a team could accelerate. And so an example of this would be if I could think through a big vision for an athlete, where they needed to go over the next six months. I sometimes came to that solution, then I got busy doing, rather than coming up taking stock with the athlete, providing perspective and anchoring them to the big vision. Remember, it took me time to come to it, but I expected them to get up to speed immediately. I'm already running, you need to keep up. And so I should have slowed down and talked about the mission of the phase, how it fits into the big picture. But instead, Bingo, I've got the answer. Let's get cracking. Let's get driving. I wanted the athlete to get cracking on the path that I believed in. I'd worked it out. It was best. And so how could I enable collaboration and belief and trust? How could I actually hit those four factors that we talked about when we talked about our goal? Trust, establishing a picture of development, a driver of support and confidence and ultimately be the lighthouse when the athlete had no real idea of where we were going, what we were looking to accomplish and how I believed in the steps to take them to their very best case. Instead, it was just get going, just get going, just get going. And so without the athlete buying, without the perspective, without slowing down, with being too quick to solution, the inevitability is going to be poor communication and battles. And I see this happen all the time in businesses. Sometimes there are leadership teams that think about a strategy, go and execute with technology. We have a whole new payment system or a whole new customer support system and we work on it for two months and now we roll it out to the team. This is it, guys. This is how we need to drive forward. This is what you need to do to make this successful. But the employees don't have context. They don't understand their role in it. They don't actually realize what's in it for them. What's in it for the company? And so how can the manager or the company at large expect buying if they don't have trust, role, path of development, and ultimately the ability to lean on a manager to be a lighthouse when they don't know where they're going in the first place? And so that was me, a junior coach developing. And luckily now on the other side of my junior years of development, with a pretty clear picture of what I think held me back. And ultimately, they really sit in parallel with each other. You cannot break them apart. The hero complex, eager to please the athlete, too quick to solution, all stemmed and wrapped around 
clear communication to the athlete with a spot of humility, taking time to build trust, establish the path, getting the athlete on the journey. And so with that context, learning from me, establishing from me, now on the other side of it, what are my top 10 components of effective coaching communication? You see, out of all of this, knowing that we're not keyboard assassins, we have to get our message across. What are the components to ultimately establish you as a more effective communicator? There are 10 of them. Let's go through. I think these are all critical. Luckily, everyone has a little quirky title. Number one, you are not their friend. You can be friendly, supportive, caring, but your primary role is not to be their friend. You are there as a guide to educate, set the path and provide perspective, but you're not there to be their friend. Number two, equally, you are not a cheerleader. Being positive is important. We're going to talk a lot about that. But cheerleading is not coaching. It's cheering. You must be equally skilled at saying no and providing constructive feedback as you are at motivating and celebrating success. And every single athlete I've ever known has demanded and desired that. Not many people just want a cheerleader. To build an effective communication strategy with your athletes, you've got to have the courage to say no and the courage to provide both positive but also constructive negative feedback. It is what the relationships thrive on every single time. Number three, and this is important, positivity typically trumps negativity. The vast majority of your communication should be anchored in positive language, or as I like to say, opportunity for growth. Most people simply don't absorb lessons of negative feedback. They just feel like they're being told off. So this means that you must lean into the fact that people won't remember everything. They're going to require repetition. They will fail and they will make mistakes. But the vast majority of these situations benefit in communication that is anchored around the opportunity to grow, not just pointing out where they mess up. Number four, ironic this one after what we just said, use your weapons carefully. So with positivity being your base, there is a case occasionally in small doses strategically for strong and even very occasional negative feedback, particularly if you're in a group setting. Oh, there's nothing like a nice bout of yelling in that nice group setting. You come to my swim squad, you'll occasionally get it. But this type of negative feedback can only be effective if it is controlled, deliberate, rare, and designed ultimately to create action. And any time there's any negative it requires more work for you, the coach. As for it to be effective, there has to be follow-up and there has to be context. You have to circle around with the athlete every time to close the loop. And so, ultimately, positive feedback is always less work and ultimately more effective. And very occasion, if you need action right at that time, 
you can strategically use just a little salt and pepper of negativity. But you better be really ready to follow up and do a lot of work following negative feedback. Number five, no one moves forward when blinded by complexity. So to communicate the path, provide feedback or educate athletes or employees, you better embrace a skill of communicating in simple and relatable terms. A master can convert complex to simple as it's central to great communication. And so no one will ultimately be impressed. They're just going to be confused with multiple, multiple syllable words or parts of the body that even I can't remember with my master's degree in physiology and anatomy. It doesn't mean you're better. It just means you're confusing. Number six, we're almost there, guys. You must be ruthlessly consistent. To retain your trust in communication, I feel it's important that you relay the same message, often in different ways, but the same message to each of your athletes. There can be no special favours and no different rules. We have a saying at Purple Patch, everyone is the same when they're stripped down to their speedos. In other words, it doesn't matter who you are in other worlds. In this Purple Patch squad, you're an athlete and you receive the same communication style and you're set to the same standards, by the way. Billionaire or not, you get no different favours in communication with me. It makes it safe, it makes it fair, it enables people to leave their egos at home and ultimately thrive in an environment of self-improvement. And so a key component is consistency and you must spread it. And that relates to point number one, remember, you're not their friend because if you're best friends, it's really, really hard to employ the same strategies as it is to someone that you have a limited relationship with. Number seven, communication. This ain't Friday night lights. Now, for you non-Americans, all you need to do to know what Friday night lights means is picture a locker room with a passionately yelling coach, slinging a clipboard around, delivering a rip-roaring speech of inspiration to a locker room of testosterone fuels, oversized, angry teenage American football players. Effective coaching and leadership communication is mostly bathed in serenity, calm, approachable tones. And so what you see for you English, moustached men, whistles and clipboards in Adidas tracksuits that are a little bit too tight, that's actually not effective coaching communication. Number eight, four, we're coming down, we've only got three to go. Effective communication requires flexibility. You cannot rely on one single style or approach for every person. You must be willing to say things in different words, in multiple ways, in varying styles and approaches to try and connect with various athletes or employees. Is it direct explanation of the park? Does it require storytelling or case studies? Is it contextual in nature? Likely the answer is all of the above. You have to work out ways to say things in different ways, even to the same group or the same person. And the ironic thing, and sometimes the great thing, is you might have been saying the same thing in 10 different ways, and then someone else 
says exactly the same thing. And they say, oh, Coach Johnny said, keep my finger down. And you think to yourself, I've been telling you that for a year, but it doesn't matter. Because sometimes athletes need to hear a different voice and a different way. Side note, that's why we like collaboration and ego-free environment of coaching as much as possible, because none of us, none of us have got all of the answers. Number nine, communication never ends. It's ongoing, and so you should, as a coach, expect repetition. Critical communication ends in action, and realize that just because somebody says yes, nods their head, it doesn't mean that they've truly understood or able to take the actions and steps that you hope. And so we should expect repetition. We should expect revisiting subjects. We should have to expect trying things 10 different ways to get to the result. And that's why a core tenant of great coaching is patience. And it is a big part of communication. And finally, we come to number 10. And guess what? Number 10 is probably the most important. It isn't broadcast. You see, effective communication requires more than projection of a message. It's anchored in as much listening as it is in making your beliefs be heard. And it's why asking the right question is often the central component of optimal coaching communication. And so to finish this little episode and stream of conscious around communication in the spirit of communication, I know that there is no way you can remember everything I've said. You might get the general context, you might have had a few sparks, but I've yet to meet an athlete or any person that can hear 10 things and apply action across all 10. And so have we wasted our time today as I go through my top 10 list? The question begs itself, have I communicated effectively? Perhaps not. And so I ask you, the listener, can I just have a little permission to try maybe one more time? Just one more time? Let me wrap this up. Let me revisit communication in a different way. I'm going to boil it down to three points. There you go. We just cut the tree down. We went from 10 to 3. Because most people, when you go deliver talks or you're talking about anything, can only absorb two, maybe three things. And so we're going to end the show with all of this context wrapped up into a nice three-point communication takeaway. Number one, be honest, open, and consistent. Number two, ask as many questions as you provide answers. And number three, ensure that you provide context, clarity, and simplicity. Open and honesty, ask questions, provide context and clarity. Remember these three. And if you do, you'll be well on your way. And so with that, go forth and build. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. 
Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!